Welcome everyone to another installment of the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast. Today we are talking about vision alignment in games. So today I am joined by Bruno, executive producer of the Chinese Room, Eric, senior investment manager at Netties, Stefan, executive producer at Supermassive. So everyone has brought a question on this topic and we're going to have a roundtable discussion today. So before we start, quick round of intros. Stefan, could you please introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Stefan. Uh, I'm an executive producer at Supermassive. I've been in games and digital marketing for over 13 years, and I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for the invite, mate. Fantastic. Eric? Hello, I'm Eric Langell. I'm uh, investment manager at NetEase. I've started recently, but I've been at Jagex, Ubisoft, Crytek before, um, and I'm very happy to be here. Amazing. And Bruno? Hi, I'm Bruno. I am executive producer at the Chinese Room. Uh, I've been working uh, for now 12 years, 13 years, sorry, 13 years in the in the video game industry. And yeah, very pleased to be here. Fantastic. All right, let's get straight into it. So Bruno, what is your question and the context behind it? All right, so uh, my question is uh, around what are the necessary basis uh that we need before we start building the the vision, because we need we we want to speak to speak about aligning the vision, but maybe it's very important to clarify uh, to clarify what are the needed tools that we need in order to set up and establish the vision, other than just having like uh, one person that is holding the vision. This is get almost another subject, but what are just like the basic tools that are here to be able to allow us to convey the vision to the team? All right. Um, Eric, do you want to take this first? Uh, that's an interesting question, I think, because I I I would I would look at this in um in a different perspective potentially. Uh less about the tools rather than what are the conditions, you know, for, for the vision to grow and to be to be to be created. Uh and, and my understanding, you know, over my experience is uh, it's great to have uh, a great sense of the culture of the of the the team you know what is the team standing for what is exactly the kind of behaviors we want to see in the team and what is essentially the um uh the the, the sort of delivery we want to do so i i understand that uh the vision could be a lot of things but if you're talking about the the vision about the product there's a, a different thing that is the vision about the, the team and the company right and that's kind of you know, to transfer your question to some degree, Bruno is what I'm thinking about is what is the vision for why we're here? It's almost like taking a step back and we're a group of people, we're a company, we're an organization, we're a studio, you name it, <clears throat> and we will do one product, but maybe we'll do more than one product. So what will keep us together through multiple products is potentially the, you know, uh, trying to figure out how we, we set that vision. And to answer your question, Bruno is, once you've answered the culture, you know, what is the culture of this team, of this company, then, you know, you will put in place the, the, I mean, the, the tools and, and, and processes to, to make sure that the vision is, uh, delivered for the product will come by themselves. Uh, not easily, but it's kind of putting a basis there. That, that would be my two cents on, on your question, if that makes sense. No, I like yes. that a lot. Yeah, thank you very much, Eric. Uh, actually, your answer is uh, your answer is extremely interesting because uh, it's almost pointing out that our subject is almost too 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 wide. 
to some extent because you know at your level vision uh is going to be very different from what is the vision of my level i have the vision of of the game that i'm producing with my team and therefore where i need to work the vision is working really uh, the clarity of what we are expecting in terms of pillar of the game in terms of what's how we're going to uh, to uh, to serve those pillars and making sure you know we're going to do again i guess that the vision at your at your at your level is something completely different which is like what is the vision of, of how you are building your product roadmap how you are building and pushing what are the expectations of the companies that are hiring you so yeah uh it's almost like Ari, what is what is your opinion are, are we to to on a subject that is to us for the for the podcast uh, podcast almost no it's interesting i'll have two cents and then stefan can have his but i found it very um just interesting to me when you said the vision for the game or the product and then your vision for the team aren't going to be the same and i feel like you need to sort out the second one before you do the first one. And potentially that doesn't always happen. So at hundred percent, like getting that vision in place of what this team is going to be, because then no matter what the product is, then hopefully you have a vision kind of that builds in some adaptability and some resilience. So when things inevitably do change as they have done a lot recently, then hopefully you're not having to pitch a new vision every time. Right. Cause we was like, Hey, we're this team. Um, I found that, kind of clarification very important because i feel like you can come at it and put all that effort on building a product vision but then you probably should have spent that time on actually building that vision for the team yes to, to that point, i was listening to another podcast this morning that was really talking about this about the fact that if you've got a vision for the team and the team comes up with something that is a new product uh then you can figure out maybe the vision for the product is not aligned with the vision for the team and it, you you better you know uh, nip it in the bud before it happens, rather than start to develop a product that will, you know, put your your, your team's you know values at odds. Right? I think Bruno, we were talking a bit earlier about how certain kind of games are not exactly your cup of tea. So you you probably want to make sure that you build the product vision that is aligned with what your team is about. Right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, that you, you are completely right there because. When we have been building the team, uh, specifically on Steel Wake the Deep, uh, there are a lot of people that have, you know, with a tremendous amount of experience, right, in the video game industry. People that are working, that have been working in a very, very different type of game. But uh, it's true that they had all in common that sense that they have been reaching a, a point in their career where they wanted to work on smaller game, but crafted with more love, or at least this is the way they were presenting it, uh, working on really providing a specific experience. And really in that case, focusing on doing solo player games. So to, for, to contextualize for people that are, that are listening to, to us, I'm working on a, on a narrative of a game and really every single person that we hired specifically have been applying because this was exactly the kind of games they were they wanted to work on yeah, i think that's that's like alignment from day one which is always easier than trying to do it after the fact right uh so yeah so you were going to say bruno yes uh, 
but you know, at the same time, you know, when we are recruiting, uh, we are mentioning that specifically as well in the in the ad that we are posting. It's like if you are looking at doing game as a service, you, you know, you, we are not the right place. Uh, you're going to be bored, to be honest, and we don't have online. So I, I'm very sorry, it's not going to be as exciting. But if you want to focus on more like something that is going to have a lot of cutscene, where uh, we are going to be here to give rights to the players, then you know you're you are the right place. Huh? Fantastic, Stefan. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, I think uh, you you said to not agree <laughs> all the time, but I I do I do agree. I think uh, Eric Eric makes a good point. Um, that having a strong team that is aligned is 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 the first step. Um, I, I want to add another layer or another perspective on top of that, right? Which is which is the business and the company or the studio. Um, where 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 is the holistic business wanting to take things? Um, what's that vision of of the the studio or the business or the directors or um, where, where are they going and how does your team and your product align to that? Right? Um, I feel that we need to have a clear understanding of what a vision is, and and I've I've, I felt there's there's a key word missing that has not been set, which is a vision needs to be inspiring. Um, it needs to be something that people can latch onto, people can um, understand, and it goes beyond a team as well, because you will have rotation of staff. You will have, as, as, as Bruno said, you will hire people in, people will leave. There is attrition, there is staff movement. You know, sometimes the, the teams grow, the teams shrink, but at the heart of it all needs to be that element which 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 provides purpose which gives the product some measurability as well it needs to be achievable it needs to be something that 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 the teams can rally towards um and and it needs to be repeated it needs to be constantly refreshed it needs to be constantly given to the team um for them to to understand and work towards um it, it needs to have alignment at a, at a high level as well right you need to be vertically which is we're going to talk about it in my second question, but um, that there needs to be, you know, there needs to be purpose on do we have time and money for a big, longer investment? What what type of product is this or what type of game are we working on or what, what initiative is this for? Who is this for? Understanding of who are you making this thing for? Um, those are all for me key questions that you need to be very, very clear before you start thinking about. You know, this is where we want to go. Um, so, 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 yeah. And 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 how does it ultimately align um, with? And how how much buy-in can you get from from the upper echelon um, working towards the junior designer, if you so will? So, um, so that verticality is is what I'm really interested in because that's where that's where the visions for me um, uh, it, that connect and and are the unifying factor um, of a successful product. Right, amazing follow-up. Let's go straight into it, Stefan. What's your question and the context behind it? Well, it, it is effectively how how what methods do you use to align uh, that vision vertically? Um, you know, continuing down the path of of that junior designer or the trainee that you just hired um, to the highest president of the chairman of the board of directors of the super mega corporation um how do you how do you ensure that that you're managing upwards as well as downwards and that vision just just traversally works um and um and i have a, fo- a second one after that but i think this is the first good question to ask bruno do you want to take this first okay yeah uh that's a, that's a really really challenging question actually because you are speaking about people that have expectations that are widely, widely different. Yeah. So, 
one thing that is sure uh, is that uh, I think that uh, there is two key parts uh, that needs to be extremely well defined. So you can cater to the need of both, right? I think that, uh, you know, I was speaking about that a little bit earlier, but one thing is sure is that like to cater to everyone that is like concretely working on the project, the very first step that is like extremely clear and defined are going to be your pillars and game pillars, right? And that needs to be built up from the get-go. You cannot like uh, reach to uh, to build a proper vision or structured vision without your pillar. And as a consequences as well, or in those pillars that are, that, that are built and defined properly, you are going to be able to define your target audience. And your target audience is what is going to talk to the people that are paying for your project, right? Uh, because your target audience is going to uh, represent numbers. And those numbers are potential sales. There are people that might be interesting on the product. There are people who you can market the product to as well, which means that you can define a lot of things out of that. You can define your marketing campaign. You can define like what is your potential return on investment. So that is going to be appealing very much. And that's going to give some vision to the people that are at the executive level of the company or the organization. Now, uh, when it comes to people that are working within the product, sorry, uh, really the, the dev team, then uh, the way you are going to be able to uh, communicate even better the vision is when you are going to do your pillars, when you are going to fragment the pillars, because you know your pillars are going to be to be to be supported by what we call features, right? So the features are going to be the conveyors of the vision. And the better they are defined, the best you are conveying this vision and the best you are supporting those, uh, those pillars as well. So uh, it comes to the responsibility of your creative director most of the time. It can be a little bit different in function of the organization, but your creative director is going to be the one that is going to say exactly what features are going to be serving which pillar and what he's expecting from each feature. That is going to be communicated to the leads and the leads are going in their turn to give more granularity to what was said to them. And they are going to uh, communicate this granularity to the to to the rank that is under them, senior, principal, uh, and that is well, and ultimately, uh, of course, junior designers. So I think I, 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 I'm I'm sorry to take shortcuts and like to try to compress all that in something intelligible, but that's pretty much how how I would say this is how you need to build up for things to be communicated. But then we can speak of, about when things go wrong. But what, that's going yeah, to be after. the second part of the question. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Any thoughts Eric? on that, Eric? Yeah, I was listening to what Bruno was saying, and it, it felt interesting that you mentioned the pillars before the target audience, when typically I would define the target audience before the pillars and try to figure out, you know, what is the game going to solve you know i don't want to sound to um, say a business like but what is the the game going to solve the target audience right who are gamers and what will they what do they want to to see next you know what is the kind of exciting stuff they want from the game and once you define that you build your pillars 
And I think it's not, it's not exactly, and I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying it's two different aspects, two different ways to look at it. It's either the more, um, the more, I would say, artistic version of saying, well, there's a game I want to make, and this is going to be this game, and we'll find a target audience. Or the other way around, which is more a service in terms of, uh, of, of a specific audience. You say, well, this audience is underserved, or they want to have a specific new sort of game, therefore we will design a game to answer that need. And somewhere in the middle, you know, we're all on that spectrum, right? But there are definitely our games... And I think it's it relates to the fact that you both work on narrative games. It's typically that's what the narrative games are. You know, you you create something that is an artistic expression of a direct director. When I would say live games are much more pull than push. Right? It's to say what do our players want, and then what we'll deliver to them. Right? It's this difference. To to be clear, I'm 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 in the camp of to find the target audience first, to find the market need first, and then uh, build the product for that. Um, it's 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 kind of my business product hat um, mainly. So yeah, I think More they fit into each other really. Uh, I, I, I think they fit into each other uh, because uh, you know one thing that uh, is. Uh, Kind of like as well, like make, can make a lot of difference is, uh, you know, you can receive mandate for uh, your executive management to do or to produce something specific, right? Uh, what I mean by that is, uh, this is this is a practice that you are aware of as well is that you know that some games and uh, that sometimes don't represent like a lot of budget, but some games are uh, developed and done as token as token of excellence, almost as a marketing product. The objective to some uh, to some extent is not even like to make profit on them, is to just to finish even uh, with what the cost of the of the product was. But that's a product that is going to give you an image and you can build on this image. You can have like all the product, you can be able to, uh, to produce a mobile game out of that where you can make like immense profit but you're going to have been building an incredibly strong marketing asset you can develop from. So, you know, in that case, I think that uh, what is important is uh, to have something that is going to be creatively extremely interesting, something that is going to unfold what, right? And uh, what is going to be the most important in that case is really to be building more likely your pillar extremely strongly and then to be catering to the to, to the audience like really in, in, in peculiar and anyway each other is going to feed yeah please go ahead Eric. yeah i was i was eager to understand uh you say rightly so bruno that you need to define your pillars extremely well i'm almost wanting to say you know do you have examples of how to build a really good pillar because we feel them all around and almost like a, a second question you both are executive producers is that the actual job of the creative director or the executive producers to write the pillars or is that the common job what's your creative director 100 mm -hmm. i i agree i mean it, it so it's it's within the creative director's remit but that does not mean that the executive producers or the wider team is not involved i feel that a vision is built together 
right? A, a vision is not built in isolation. It's not built in a room by the creative director by himself. Um, it should be something that, you know, it's a journey um, to find those pillars at times. And and I, I think all the team ideally needs to be involved um, up and down, right? Like, uh, like as, as Bruno said, sometimes the objective of that product is to be marketing. The objective of that product is to be a, 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 a stepping stone from a technological standpoint, right, towards the next iteration. Um, there are multiple things that the business needs to be aware of uh, or wants, and there are multiple things that the team wants. And the vision is the connection between those two, and, and, and everybody should be part of that journey. Um, and it's the executive producer's job to ensure that happens, but it's the, creator's, the creative director's job to just write them down and make sure that they're emotionally powerful, you know, that, that, that people can connect to them. Um, at least that's, that's how I see that separation of, of or remits. I completely agree with Stefan as well. Uh, for me, the creative director is the holder of the vision. He needs to nurture it. He needs to protect it. He needs to enforce it as well. He needs to be, uh, to be the one conveying the good word to the team. So, so if I rebound on my initial question, which was, how do you create a really good feeling for a vision? Do you have hints or advice? Well, it needs to be very, very clearly understood, um, and it, the, the wording needs to be crisp. Um, if if there is ambiguity uh, on one of your pillars, then if there's anything that can be misunderstood or misconstrued, you're failing. Um, I feel I feel that one of the, you know. Big number go up is is a very very simple simplistic as an example is a very simplistic way of ensuring that everything is about you know pumping a specific thing everybody has an objective it has a measurability it's it's clear it can be achieved um, it has a, a ceremony attached to it it's going up there's something happening it has an action uh, within it so 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 finding good words that are very easily understood by all the echelons um, and all the layers is is for me one of the most important parts of creating a pillar, um, and it needs to ideally connect as well emotionally um, to what the game is and to what the creative vision is, um, which is if if you're making a, a, a game that's all about numbers and uh, and number crunching and min maxing, you know that's that's uh, that's there is an emotion there. Shit, shit going up is always good. <laughs> sorry, can I swear? I sorry if I. Swear. <laughs> yeah, it's fine as long as it's not every two seconds. Um, yeah, I wanted to say one thing because I feel like a vision needs to be something we can accomplish. Otherwise, it's just always going to be ethereal. Like I feel like it needs to have like, oh, we actually made it and then we can have a new vision. And I think that helps with the inspiration part where it's not just something that I will never see while I'm working at X studio because we can't assume everyone's going to live and die at the current job. So one thing I that wasn't mentioned yet, I thought was worth um, bringing up is aligning incentives because I don't think that happens automatically. From my understanding, if you just join a studio the first few months, your incentive is very different to someone who's doing balance sheet opt optimization and is trying to sell the company next year, like almost potentially opposite incentives. And I feel like you can have, and there's only probably a couple of people that can actually fix this potentially, where you need to have that aligned incentive. Otherwise, the vision is just going to be a vision. And I think a nice example um, that I heard was that King, when um, I, spoke, and I spoke to Callum Godfrey, this was when 
Um, I'm blanking on the name, but this was a few years ago. And they had a vision of 1 billion players across all their games. And that is like number go up in the simplest term. However, literally everyone contributes to that in their own way. Like it's very simple. And if you're nice and you have the data, you can actually measure your impact to the vision. And I feel like that's a nice way where we can all bring that together. But if you do not have that kind of shooting star that you're going for, then I feel like, yes, we can have the vision, but it's just going to keep changing. So I think it's nice having that like big audacious goal. And as long as everyone can contribute and everyone wants to as well. And if it doesn't, if, if people don't feel like they want to do that, I feel like that's something change that needs to happen. Um, yeah, that's my two cents there. Uh, Eric. So you asked us to disagree. I will fundamentally disagree. One please. in one year doesn't constitute a vision to me at all. It's quite the opposite of it. It's the result of a vision. What are these players to do? Right? You could, you could, you know, have one billion players, you know, clicking on the button for 10 hours. That's not a vision to me. That's the measure of success. But a vision is really something that, you know, kind of what Stefan and Bruno were saying about needs to be inspiring. And that's why I was asking about that because it's, it's not that easy to measure, right? It's kind of the thing that I'm trying to, to get at because again, listening to, a lot of podcasts on that topic, it feels like, and having asked that question to, to specialists as well is, <clears throat> how, and as part of my question, you know, later on, is how do you make sure you are aligned with the vision? How do you measure that? How do you measure progress? And it's not always a number. That's what I'm getting at, right? <clears throat> and actually, it's unlikely to be a number in many ways. The number is the measure of success of you know, whether you do a vision, you can make a very a, a good game that is exactly what the vision was and be completely unsuccessful all the other way around. You can make a crap game and it sells by the by the millions. Um, so all I was trying to say here is to, to raise my hand and to say, if I were to build a vision for a game, I would probably not say that's how many players would get with this. It's, uh, it, it's almost like uh, if you look at OKRs or where you think the vision is the objective, the millions is the KR, is the key result, right? So to me, it's important to, to distinguish the fact that you've got um, something that defines the contour of the product slash service you want to deliver. And the second thing is how successful that becomes by meeting its target audience, you know, and the target audience, you know, I'm, I'm looking at my colleagues here. If you're doing narrative games, your target audience is not the one of League of Legends, right? So you're not looking necessarily at millions and millions of players. Does that mean that your your vision should not uh, be, you know, um, successful if you don't reach that millions of players? Probably not, because you you develop your game in proportion. So yeah, hopefully, you know, two cents to hopefully making sure we define clearly what the vision is and the result of implementing the the vision is. Yeah. One uh, clarification, if I may, I feel the King example, with it being a live service games, that's one that is continues going up. I think in your example, I agree, like that is kind of a lofty or maybe not as aligned, but I feel like there needs to be a number somewhere. And then if the number can have a symptom, which is the feel good stuff and like everyone loves the game, happy days. But I feel like if we don't have a way of measuring, hey, did we achieve this? as opposed to like, you know, doing samples and asking, Hey, did you love the game? Um, 
I think a number is important, at least um, from, I haven't worked in the game, this is from the outside looking in now, uh, I think it'd be cool to have a number where you'd be like, all right, this is yeah. our trajectory towards it. That's what you mean. I, I didn't say we didn't need to have numbers. These are the key results, but they are different from the objectives. That's all I'm trying to say. I, I have a bridge here because because I agree with both of you. Um, I think I think achievability is important uh, to be in there in a vision because you know or else it's just fantasy dreamland. Um, but there's there's something uh, using your example, Harry, about you know click a, click this button a billion times or whatever it was, um, right? It doesn't have a why. Why is important? What why is it important that you click that button? Why is it important that that button is clicked a billion times? If you add, we want 1,000 button clicks because every click saves a tree, suddenly that adds a, a reason, that adds something that goes beyond just that OKR that Eric is, is defining, right? So so, so there, I'm pretty sure that within that company's vision of, of we need a billion players or, or something, something, there is an overarching element, right, that is the visionary bit of because by achieving a billion players, we our service is, you know – in the world and that makes the world a better place. So, so it's always about starting with the why, why do we want to do this? Um, what, how does this make the world? I, I like it when I say that, how the, how does this make the world a better place? Right. How does, how does our work um, and our efforts make, make this better um, overall for the business, for yourself. But I love the fact that because you said something very important, which was everybody contributes, everybody, right. Gets get their work, it contributes towards the achievement of that vision. And I think that is that is very powerful because if you manage to get a vision in play where every piece of energy that's put into whatever you're building contributes towards the greater goal, that that's you achieving something good. Um, but measurement aside, you have to have a why. You have to have a reason, right? Save the world. Save the cheerleader. Save the world. No, I love it. No, I like that. And it right. was bad, right? <laughs> And your why is going to fall back to your pillars. Yes, which feed on the why. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, nice. so sorry. If if the second part of that question is now that we've aligned on what the vision is, what do we do when uh, stakeholders come in and say like, oh yeah, the business <laughs> things have changed, and uh, let's change the vision to something else? And you're in the middle of that development. How do you change manage? Jesus Christ! All mm. right. So, I'm, I'm going to jump on this one. Uh, so, first of all, I think that uh, the big challenge is to look at what the new objectives that have been provided by your, your executive uh, match your pillars, right? Uh, define what is salvageable, pretty much. Right. Define what uh, still serves for purpose, what doesn't serve for purpose, cut it. And when you see that you are lacking uh kind of density into your games and that can include sometimes like you know those new objectives that can be uh, given to you might force you to completely cut a, a wall pillar you need to replace him you need to replace it and you need to then verify that like all your features are still very much relevant and uh, they are still very much fit for purpose 
and how you're going to make them fit together. Because a big problem is that most of the time when you are already advanced, meaning that you have been already uh, already uh, developing your features and they are serving your pillars, what you have ultimately is already something that is uh, consistent, cohesive, and with features that are intertwined. The biggest challenge there is to be able to uh, remove features that are not useful anymore. So I wouldn't say that uh, there is a, a good or bad methodology at, at that point. It's you need you need you need to do a lot of tests. That's for sure, because you need to understand once you have removed what is not relevant anymore, where you are standing and how players are reacting to what is the rest of your product. So uh, that would probably almost uh, involving a, a process of returning to a vertical slice type of a product that you are going to uh, to put through uh, to put through a, a significant external playtest. So you can have results regarding what is the assessment of your product at that point. Uh, see what is data. Yeah, yeah, you need to validate with data. That's for sure because at that point as well, I think that the negative impact on your team is going to be uh, so strong as well because you know you are working with human being. Uh, if someone comes and say, "Hey, all you've been working on for the last nine months, trash it to the bin," I'm not going to just like they're not going to to have the mind able to reflect coldly to the change to come. So you need to have external data to assess where you are standing. Once you have been stripped down uh, your your game, and then you can build a new base to rebuild your game. At least that would I would say this is the first step. Uh, Eric, you want to react? Yes. Uh, the the idea is that um, Stephen' question is really good because you you're speaking. I'm I'm considering myself a very evangelist of the agile approach of things, right? Especially you've been in live games, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Stefan as well, you've been, you know. Um, yeah. And, and to me, that's the default mode to make games. Even even if you were going to go, you know, AAA narrative, you know, once single player games. Because to answer Stefan's question, change is the only constant, especially in our industry, right? So it's not like what if your vision change? It's almost starting from the get-go that your vision will change, right? It will. Don't don't think that what you start with will be what you come up in, at the tail end. So how do you organize your team? How do you set up your, your working practices to make sure that this doesn't come as a surprise and everyone is taken aback and figure out, well, that you know, that's not what we decided at the beginning. Well, Yes, it's never going to be what we decided at the beginning. It will evolve. And Bruno, you said a lot of great things about, you know, what are the data giving us? You know, what are the playtests telling us? Go back to our target audience. If the, if the initial idea was to do this game, playtest it doesn't resonate with the players. Well, we have to change it. You know, if the plan is bad, you change the plan, right? It's kind of what it is. So, but you don't know whether the plan is good until you play test it, and you cannot play test it on day one, right? You need to build something to play test. So, therefore, you know, again, a big believer of iteration, big believer of agile, and the fact that you've got cycles, you build something, test it out, 
get the knowledge out of your target audience and say, well, that didn't hit quite well here, but that's the kind of thing we love. So let's adjust and let's do another cycle of iteration all the way to a point where we feel like it's actually hitting the, the sweet spot because you don't want to iterate forever, even though in live games, that's kind of what you do. But for a published game, you know, once you want to make sure you hit the sweet spot and say, well, seems like our players like that. So that's the right thing to deliver. Mm-hmm. Okay, my my only caveat to what you just said is the scale of change. Uh, like in what you are describing, I completely agree. This is a normal process of development, and then when it comes to aligning the diff- the, the vision, we are speaking about different process. We can think about that, right? But uh, like in the specific example that Stefan was giving, that was like literally like someone higher up coming with a with an armor and just hammering around, which is like this is why you know like the 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 what you need to do for me is is widely different at that point. There is a there is a for me a big difference between uh, polishing by iterating and like getting to clarity like slowly but surely. I completely agree. And like absorbing a brutal, because this is literally what is a brutal change to what is uh, your your objective. Now, when it comes to uh, to pure iteration, uh, I think that uh, you have a very good point. Is that like uh, the vision is changing, and it's very important that regularly you take the time to stop with the team and make sure that everyone understands that the vision change. And the expectation change as well, and uh, this is where I think is uh, as well extremely relevant to sit first with the with the lead of your team, only with the lead of your team, because you're going to notice sometimes that like already at that point, and already at that level, sometimes the expectation of what is a game is different between the creative director and the lead. And, you know, from a management perspective, they're not that far away. Sometimes they are even like, you know, in the same general chain of command. But simply, there is already like a difference there. And just imagine if your lead doesn't understand what your creative director wants, that means that your senior principal and like junior designer don't understand what your creative director wants. And it's very important, very, very important to do session quite regularly where you're going to align the vision. You need to sit with your lead and making sure that they still understand what are your pillars, what are the features that are supporting it, what you are trying to achieve. So, so, sorry, Bruno, can I, can I just ask real yeah, quickly, yeah. Do, do you believe that you can change the pillars mid-development? Yes. Okay. In the sense I... of realigning them to what you are getting so uh yeah. i had i i i had i had that happening uh i had that happening on a project uh after a vertical slice actually so that was not like super 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 um, super advanced in the project but still right uh at the end of the at the end of this vertical slice uh we just got the feedback from uh from uh from our playtest uh you know like uh, we knew as well like where we are a little bit weak as well and out of the result of the playtest, this is where we have been uh, really taking the time to look at, to look back and, and see that, you know, what we intended to provide to the player was not what we are providing them. 
And even more, this is not what they were expecting. Ah. It didn't mean that we needed to change a lot of our pillars, but we needed to amend them in the meaning of what they were supposed to provide. You know, typically your pillars, when you are creating them, they are like, you, you can name your pillar or you can title your pillar in five words and a single sentence is supposed to be able to describe it. So uh, in our case, we've just been changing the sentence. But changing the sentence already changed what we are doing. So that's very simple. And so that's possible, uh, providing this change are not too much needed, right? Uh, without that to be too brutal as well with your team. So, so you kind of you kind of agree with with Eric um, because I, I I also agree with Eric in terms of the the game that you start building is not the game that you'll end up with um, yeah. most of the time, right? Like like the yeah. games evolve as they're being developed too. So um so so the pillars of course are amended and with the team as the team changes and everything kind of it all mutates together and it all becomes a journey a process um, that everybody needs to be part of. Yeah. Yes, yes, because you know the game is something alive. It's something alive. It's living especially with you. Yeah, especially when, when it touches the players for the first time. Yeah. Then it stops being your game. It's the player's yeah. game now. So, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wanted to say one thing before we move on to the last question on just dealing with that negative impact because um, we have a unique position where we can actually see it happen. Sometimes we see it like multiple times in the same studio. And there's one thing I think that it is a band-aid solution. This isn't, uh, but I think it would just prevent people like leaving forever from your studio. And one thing, this is more on the vision of like the entire studio. Like if you're entering a cost-cutting season where we're probably not going to do a lot of experimenting and potentially work will be less fun because you're more worried about kind of optimizing what we already have, maybe more maintenance mode. And if, if you're like a principal programmer who's like really excited to work on a new feature or and then you're working on a lot less projects. I 100% think, like, almost double down on your expectations of that one-on-ones that you're having. I think that what um, was already said with the leads, make sure, obviously, they understand what's happening. But, like, if people are leaving at the same time, like, a bunch of middle management has left, and then everyone is kind of starting to build their own story of what the vision is, that's where I feel like you need to be having those one-to-ones and be like, hey, this was the plan before. This is how it was hopefully aligning with your kind of life goals. This is our plan now. Is that aligned with what you have? No. Okay, let's see what changes we can make. And if there's zero changes we can make, thank God we know that now and not um, when it's too late. Uh, that's one thing I think which, you know, it's free, it's free. I mean, it's company time, but like that's a one-to-one which might save countless hours uh, later. Awesome. Uh, Eric, let's go to the final question. What is your question and the context behind it? So the question is, <clears throat> once we've all said and done, this is what we want to do, um, and we've used the tools that we've talked about, how do we know whether the team is aligned or not? How do we measure this? Is there a way to actually understand that it's actually, well, even though it's a consistent project, you know, how close are we from having most of the people mostly aligned most of the time, right? Um, and is that enough or how can we figure out on that grid to no one knows what the heck is going on and I'm not swearing on purpose. Uh, 
to well, everyone knows exactly, and they're they're all working on the same on the same goal very clearly. How how do you measure on that scale where you are? That's my question. Stefan, could you take this first? So yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take it um from a team perspective and a, bit, a little bit of 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 an empirical observation that I've had. Um, I've had the luck to be in teams, um, not all of them, but in a few, where that the the alignment around a vision is almost palpable, right? Where, where you can just see the team working at a fast pace. There's no bottlenecks on decision-making. The people are empowered to make decisions, to unblock themselves because they are backed and, and they understand the vision so that they, they can just go and like, yeah, yeah, but this is why we're doing it. They, they understand the why. They know exactly what and why they're doing, and that allows them to be free and creative, and that generates just a, such a stream and powerful energy that you can just almost touch it. Um, when you achieve that, that's when – I can confidently say, yes, this team knows exactly what the vision is and why they're doing it. Um, in terms of measurement, because feelings, how do you measure feelings, um, right? In terms of measurement, um, I find going slightly back to what Harry was saying around one-to-ones, not, not from a change management perspective, but more of, you know, just just ask. Ask your people when you have a one-to-ones, do you, do you understand what the vision is or can you tell me what the vision is? Um, and then just just, you know, make sure that, they have a common denominator. They're saying it in their words, but they're effectively they're they're conveying what the vision is supposed to be. And if they're not, that's when you adjust. So that that is okay with smaller teams, right? When you have a team of 120, 200 people, that is different. But there are ways of doing that as well. Like just just do a survey, um, ask an open-ended question. Uh, part of the employee surveys. Work with HR. Make sure that they that that, that you can sneak your questions in there, so that um so that you you can get a real good read. Um, you know, if if a third of your team is understanding the vision, but two thirds is not, you have a problem, right? You need to go fix that. You need to go uh, work through it. And uh, and um and if that's not the case, then you go back to repetition, 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 right? You go back to the drawing board. You got to make sure that you present it to the team that you you. Just, just be open and transparent about it. Um, that's that's how I would deal with it. So, so for me, assessing whether the vision is understood, it's clear in the day-to-day work when a team is just killing it and working hard. Um, that you can you can immediately sense that that is part of the vision, and hence why it's so important. And uh, and and make sure that you ask that you get your both qualitative and quantitative feedback as much as possible from your individuals. I love that so much. And one point. Uh, before I forget is I wrote a nice post about this based on what Callum said and apparently most surveys could be improved and there was an amazing question that they added um, Callum suggested that he always puts when he can is um, I'm paraphrasing here so it was like how does the current like culture slash vision um, enable you to do your productive work from a scale of 1 to 10 and if you get a couple twos in there they're basically telling you I could be five times more efficient if it weren't for a few cultural or vision changes. And mm-hmm. I think that's a nice way we can actually put a number to it rather than asking, um, you know, extremely likely how, how is the culture at the moment? Like if you write the word productive, then they can try to make it about them. And then hopefully, um, I know some of these are anonymous, but then that gives you something that you can measure month to month for how often you do it. Bruno. So, uh, Eric, 
I have a I have a little exercise for you uh, that you can uh, that you can use to verify if uh, if your your team is aligned with vision. And that's actually a, a little exercise that is uh, that is uh, extremely useful as well because you can get a very uh, very meaningful feedback. So uh, it comes back to uh, ask your team. Sorry. Uh, so it comes back to asking to your team, uh, divide your team in three different groups. Uh, first group is going to be your creative director by himself. Yes, as owner of the, of the vision. Second group is going to be your leads. And the third group is going to be the rest of the team. And you are going to ask each of them to take a given features or a given piece of the game and to give a detailed feedback of what they think they need to improve. The second part of the exercise is going to be comparing this feedback. And one thing you're going to notice, if they align the vision, the feedback is going to be extremely similar. Maybe not to the same granularity, true, but it's always going to be pretty much the same. And the added benefits to that as well is that sometimes you have piece of feedback that are extremely relevant and you did something about. I like it. It's good. Yeah, I'll I'll try that out, mate. That's, uh, it yeah. works. It works yeah, really, yeah. really well. I'll give it a go and let you know. Yeah. I had a, a quick comment because one of the things that Harry, you were mentioning is how you can actually put a number and make it more productive. It's more a footnote than anything, but since we're really about vision, uh, I always take someone who's less productive but goes in the right direction and someone who's very productive but goes, you know, 90 degrees to the right. It's just really important to measure, you know, um, that's why I was talking about measuring alignment is because there's a lot of people who can deliver a lot of work, but if that work is useless, then, well, it's even worse than doing a little work that is completely aligned. I like that. I think you take everything with the context, right? I think if you can, you, if you see that on its own, then that could be dangerous. No, that's a very good point. Exactly. Oh, oh, fantastic. Um, before we conclude, I have one uh, thing here. Like, what do you feel, like, what if everyone agrees, but then it's essentially down to one or two people up top? Like, with that, that seems like a difficult conundrum there where, like, is it essentially office politics? Like, um, let me try to rephrase this question, but it's essentially if you feel like you want to put forward a certain vision, you have buy-in, but then it's kind of not up to you. Is that not a thing really? Is that mostly like, would you ever get like a situation where there's a creative founder and there's a vision, which is kind of like, we don't agree with that, but we have to like finesse it. Is there anything that needs to be done there? Well, the, the thing is, yes, you probably want to make sure that you solve this because you're not going to go anywhere if the key people at the head of the organization or the team are not aligned with the game you're building. And if the rest of the team just doesn't, you know, uh, you know just doesn't align with this, you, you indeed have a problem. And you don't want to, you know, write any more line of code or write any other document or build any model before you solve that, really. And I and I think that's, you know, the the example that Bruno gave and, and you know, the 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 idea is, is to make sure that yes, you need to have these sessions and we agree on what the vision is. 
And one of the things I think I probably will leave that here is uh, you don't necessarily have to agree with the vision, but what matters is that you know what it is, right? And yes, we're yeah. all professionals. We're not only working, as Bruno was saying, on games we love, but what we need to do as professionals is to work towards a goal that's been defined for us and make sure it's attained. Uh, if we don't like it, fair enough. We can still, you know, call Harry and ask for a new job, right? The point is, uh, the idea is that if you're a professional, which we hopefully all are, you work towards the vision that's been given to you. If you don't agree with it, don't, you know, you're you're free. You can you can find potentially a different place. And if you don't have the choice, which is probably the case of a lot of us, then, you know, bite it and, you know, play your preferred game out of the outside. So, uh, I, 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 yes, yes to everything, but um, you, you still have control, right? Like, like in Harry's example is is let's say the team and and leadership, and let's let's hypothetically say we're part of that. Um, you know, have a vision. We all agree. We all align. This is the game that we want to do. This is the thing that we we've done our research. We've done everything right. Um, but one of the creative founders disagrees. So I, I see it. In two ways, you can either go and because passion goes a long way in this industry, right? Like people invest in in, in passion, people invest in people, um, and 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 passion comes with energy and drive, right? So so you have the chance to either go up and convince, make your case, state your case, go to the you know stand your ground, not to the point where you're completely um, you know inflexible because you're absolutely right, Eric. Like at the end of the day, you know if there's a creative founder and he wants the company and he wants his vision to be this. You, you'll end up dissenting and committing. That's that's perfectly fine, right? We're all professionals, as you said. But you still have a you you should still believe in 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 what you're doing and and the energy and the passion that you bring to it. So so always give it a shot. Always stand up for it and go like, you know what? I think you're wrong. Um, I think this should be the thing. But you know, at the end of the day, give them the chance to retort. And at the end of the day, if they convince you, then sure, cool, okay, we'll do it that way. That's perfectly fine. Would you would you mind joining us in the next vision definement meeting? Right, bring them into the fold. Make sure that everybody is part of that journey. Again, it's if if it's just a top-down uh, culture, then um, yeah, sure. Make, make sure that you call Harry. Uh, right. So it's uh, it's uh, it's it's it, for me, it's a thing of of everybody works together. We're we're in a gaming in industry. Everybody's creative. Everybody wants to make cool shit happen, and uh, yeah. and uh, and we should all align around that vision, right? <laughs> Amazing. Now, we'll conclude it there. So this has been the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast. I want to take this quick opportunity to thank Bruno, Eric, and Stefan for providing their insights, taking their time out of their day. And thank you, everyone at home, for listening. Uh, if you would like to get involved in an upcoming podcast or just want to chat for any of the reasons we just mentioned, you can reach out to me at LinkedIn at Harry Foku. Foku is spelled P-H-O-K-O-U.